It had been a long day for Jesus. Fifty more steps and probably the consolation would be that the pinnacle of his promise to die for everyone would come true. The journey was not a pleasant one by any means. It's one that scripture tells us is one of the darkest days of what our faith knows. As Jesus was led to the place of his crucifixion at the place of the school Golgotha, many things began to happen. As they laid him on the ground and began to fasten him in an unconventional way with nails to the piece of the cross for which he would hang. The Romans had designed the cross to be perhaps the most barbaric piece of what capital punishment could be. No one wanted to ever be crucified. In fact, it was a a place in a state of humiliation, not only with the effects of the piercing pain that one would endure, but the fact that one is shamed amongst all of the townspeople. And yet Jesus, as he came to that place, we learn of what all the gospel writers tell us was a painful journey. Earlier, before he came to the cross, he was punished in a powerful way with a tool called a flagellum. A flagellum was barbaric at best. It was a wooden stick or wooden pole, and fastened to it were pieces of leather, and at the end of the leather, the hired executioner would attach pieces of bone or metal. And as the executioner would bring the flagellum back, and upon the flesh of his victim, you can only imagine what would happen. The power of the flagellum was known to crush bones, tear flesh, dehumanize the person in which the punishment was to be given. Jesus was beaten with a flagellum so many times that when it was finally finished, those who had gathered around to to witness what was happening were feeling the feelings of being grossed out. Some became ill and sick at the sight of what they were seeing. When it was ordered to cease and Jesus was released From where he was fastened, he fell to the ground. Many say that based upon what we learn in the stories of what the gospel writers tell us, that he was likely in a state of of pain and in and out of being in consciousness. Lots had set in. You can imagine that after being brutalized that way and then taken to another place where they were going to shroud him with with some things that would mark his kingdom, per se. The Romans had heard the stories. They had heard that Jesus had professed to be the king of the Jews and, and more importantly, the king of humanity. And, And they began to lean into the joke, per se. And they placed a scarlet cloth upon him and one fashioned a crown made of thorns and forced it upon the head of our Savior. As he bled, they mocked him. They laughed at him. They spat at him. They handed him a reed scepter and they began to call him names. When he arrived at the place of the skull or Golgotha, 
the next steps of the crucifixion would take place. Spikes, they called them, five inches in length. The executioner was, this was commonplace for them. They could do this with their eyes closed. They would find the hollow point just in the wrist below the palm. And they would raise the mighty hammer back and pound the spike into that place. They pounded also his feet and pierced his side. We know that as Jesus was nailed to the top portion of the cross, as they began to heave with mighty weight, pulling him up, dragging his body in the air to attach it to the place already in the ground, that the process of the cruelty of death had begun. No one ever died by Roman crucifixion because of their floggings or because of pain. They died by, by asphyxiation. The cross was designed that as, as the victim had their arms spread apart in a V, that they would use gravity, the weight of the human being, to begin the process of suffocation. They would bend the knees of the criminal, the person being executed on the cross, just enough, and they fastened Jesus' feet to the bottom. And as one began to see the effects of gravity pulling them downward, they began the process of suffocation. They could breathe in, but they could not exhale. It would collapse the diaphragm. You can imagine, in order that the body was, was sensing its need to survive and its will to move forward and to breathe, that it would take extreme care and pain to press oneself upward so that their lungs and diaphragm could expand, thus tearing at the wounds of the feet. This process went on and on and on. I'm intrigued by the first words that Jesus says on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. For many years I would see those words, I would read those words, I would live into those words, and I would say to myself, Father, forgive them, those Romans, those persons of, of high authority of the Pharisees and the priests and the Sadducees who had willed this upon Jesus that they had finally gotten their way. And then it came to conclusion for me, Father, forgive them, means Father, forgive you, Father, forgive me. So it's not just Rome, it's you and me. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. So many people struggle with those words, and, and you begin to wonder about, it is finished. Well, well is his life, it's his life, it's, it's gone, it's finished, it's, it's zapped out. He can no longer breathe, he is done, he is dead. But the proclamation of it is finished has a bigger meaning. The prophecy has been fulfilled. My work is done. I have overcome. So many of our pictures through art and history depict the cross as being somewhere way up high. And as if we need to look up and, and see Jesus way up on the cross. But what historians have actually found out is something quite different. The cross 
likely was nine feet tall. You can imagine Jesus on the cross. That even in the end as he's dying, God is not far away, but God is near. And it brings even more, more aspects for us that as Mary, his mother, is kneeling there at the cross looking at her son dying, that John records that Jesus says, calls out to his mother and to his beloved friend, John, and says to John, behold your mother, care for her. He hears Jesus speak. For you and I, as we journey, we must always remember that, that God's sacrifice on the cross is not something that is out of reach, out of touch, out of grasp, but yet it is so near that we can approach the cross with grace, with understanding, and the resiliency to know that even though the world gave Jesus its best through death, God gave the world his best through Jesus and life. As they lowered him from the cross, they took him to a tomb. A stone was rolled into place, and a legion of Roman soldiers were on the perimeter. It's Good Friday. Jesus is dead. Our Savior is in the tomb. The women are crying. The disciples are hiding. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming soon.